Hello again, and welcome to Faith, Family, and Politics. I'm your host, Joshua Cummins. We're going to have a really big show today. Yeah, we are. That's our good friend, Louis Rodriguez, host of Rodriguez Rants, back in studio this week. Everybody cheer. Up on your feet. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Lou. Glad to have you back. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and across from him, we got this nerdy guy over here. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know him and you love him. Uh, he, he's the host of the Laughing Libertarian, Alan McFarland. Do I do that anymore? <laughs> Seemingly no. I know. I have so many videos. We got to reshoot those. Bring you back in, at gunpoint again. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, and uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, for reference, you have to go back and watch uh, the re- uh, the reaction to... Uh, that's, the Tom, last, that's the last episode that's yeah, up. Yeah, Tom McDonald, um, uh, uh, End of the World. Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. yeah. We did a bunch after that, and then, well, we got to redo them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, seven hours in the studio. Yeah, that was a to be long. Redone. It was a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, you have to listen to that uh, that fantastic uh, comeback king song again. Oh, so, so good for you. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Have you heard it, Don? No, I have not. I will grace I'm, you. I'm, with ex- that. I'm excited to hear it. No, no I will send after. you just the music. Just the music. Yes. All right. All right. No, you the, can't play my reaction no. near the children. Okay. No, the, the, the the video is is worth it, Don. And speaking of Don. He's bringing the message this week, Don Martyr. Hey, hey, everybody. Also known as the Golden Voice. The Golden Voice. <laughs> you guys are doing all right, staying blessed and uh, keeping safe, having fun in the springtime weather. Yeah, well, um, and we hope to be blessed even more by, you know, people subscribing and, and oh, yeah. uh, commenting and sharing yeah. and uh, liking us. Uh, well, you Comments. have to follow us. Yeah, if you're on the on, on the, the Facebooks, you know. Yeah. Um, if you're on the Instagrams, you can you can you can follow us there as well. Uh, True Social, and anywhere you download your audio podcasts, everything Revolver Broadcasting, everything. We're impressing the guys uh, over in the producer station right now. They are nodding with the the, the tight lips. They're yes. listening to something. <laughs> they have the same <laughs> tempo, so they have to listen to something other than uh, yeah. the show. <laughs> A little bit of Kendrick Lamar over there. There you go. There you go. There you go. They're like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Some Drake, you know, yeah. throw it on some, anyway. Yep. How are you guys? Hi. So, hi. You've got a message. You. <laughs> it's your job um, now. What What is the title of your message this week, The sir? title of this message is The Cost. Oh, I like that. The Cost <laughs> of Fatherhood. It was magical so, for a second. There. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Stopped abruptly. I, I jumped the gun. I, I apologize. Let's, let's I, try it one more time. Is dream it? sequence. The, the, the cost of what? Let's try it again. Yeah. Oh. The cost of fatherhood. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm well, going home. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, before we get into our message tonight, uh, I'd like to open with prayer real quick, and then uh, we can we can get into some scripture. So, yes, uh, Father God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to come together. Uh, to be able to uh, celebrate in your word, to be able to uh, just have conversations, Lord God, that are going to be blessed and uh, up, uh, excuse me, building up, Lord. And we just thank you so much for uh, every opportunity we have to be able to share the love of Jesus in people's lives, Father God, whether they be uh, hanging out with us on this podcast, Lord, or uh, listening to us over uh, on their mobile device or whatever that might look like, Lord God, that uh, your truth would Uh, plant a seed in their heart, Lord God, that their lives would be changed, Father God, and that they would grow closer to you. 
that is our hope, uh, Father God, and we know that that is uh, our calling, to be able to uh, go out and make disciples of all nations, Lord God. And we thank you so much for that opportunity. We pray uh, that this podcast would be blessed, that the people associated and established with this podcast would be blessed, Lord, uh, and that every uh, person that it touches would also be blessed. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So the cost of fatherhood. Now, uh, I want to give you a little bit of uh, an anecdote. I uh, was preparing for uh, our time together uh, today, this week, and by preparing, I meant uh, uh, really thinking hard about what I actually wanted to talk about up until, you know, the 11th hour. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then I had a very interesting experience um, with my two oldest sons. I came home from work and uh, some stuff had happened at home, and my, my wife was extremely stressed, and uh, it was because of uh, just a few things that had happened with um, my 14-year-old and my 11-year-old uh, while they were at home playing. And uh, so I sat them down, and we had a couple of really tough conversations, um, and, uh, and it got me thinking about what our responsibilities are as fathers. And... Um, you know, that can look very different depending on what role you actually have. Not everyone is a father in the traditional sense, whether they have biological kids, adopted kids, stepkids. Sometimes you are in uh, a position of authority uh, to lead and um, to mentor people, and that is an opportunity for you to be a father figure in someone's life. So these things are going to um, apply to all of those scenarios. Uh, And did you have something that you wanted to... Oh, we're past that now. Okay, cool. Uh, well, it's probably better for everyone. Okay, all right. Uh, well, I did want to start off with uh, one of my favorite things to do um, as a dad, of course, which is uh, tell a dad joke. Um, so what makes a joke a dad joke? What? When the answer is apparent. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've told that joke on this. Have you? Well, there you go. (laughs) There you go. Well, it applies. It was apparent then, it's apparent now. That's it, that's it. Um, So uh, when we are examining uh, fatherhood and the cost of fatherhood, I focused in on three specific things. Now, parenthood, whether you're a mother or a father, has a lot of facets. There's a lot of responsibilities that you have, and there's a lot of things that you're going to encounter as a parent. Um, But I decided to go ahead and focus on three specific things, um, and that is uh, uh, the cost of fatherhood uh, and what we are as a provider, what we are as a protector, and what we are as a preparer. Um, So starting out uh, as a provider, I uh, really love this verse. This is out of Joshua 25, 15. Uh, I've got a few different verses, and uh, just try and keep it moving because I love to talk, and so I don't want to bog it down too much but uh, out of Joshua 25 15 it says uh, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your ancestors uh, served beyond the, the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living but as for me and my household we will serve the Lord and this is actually one of my favorite verses not just because of what Joshua is saying but because it's something that I apply in my own life and in my own household that, um, you know, this is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Like when I think of myself as a father, the first thing I think of is I want to be a father who uses God as my leadership example in my household. And 
I think that that starts with being a provider. I think what's interesting about being a father is you start being a provider before you ever have a physical child in your hands. Um, when you are uh, married and you are, uh, or you know, you are with your significant other, whatever that looks like, um, that's ushering in that opportunity for fatherhood. You begin to prepare financially. Uh, you begin to prepare mentally and emotionally. You're taking care of um, uh, whoever is pregnant in your life, whether it be um, your wife or your your girlfriend, your significant other. You know, we're talking real world here, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and um, Obviously, we want to, as fathers, we want to start providing for that family before that family has been thrust upon us through that labor and delivery and things like that. And uh, there are um, there are three specific ways that I focused on when it comes to um, being a provider. So we're a provider of needs, uh, basic physical needs like food, shelter, clothing, things like that. Uh, we are a provider of truth and knowledge, uh, and that truth and knowledge, I broke it down to three kind of general groups, so like practical and educational knowledge. Um, you know, through our, through our dads, uh, a lot of times we learn the mechanical, engineering, architectural, things like that, you know, um, lots of really cool mathematical processes and stuff because typically men's brains kind of connect on a different level when it comes to that, and that's not to eliminate uh, anyone from the equation. Uh, because we know that there's a lot uh, of people. I see what you did there, equation. Yeah, yep. exactly. Uh, uh, we know a lot of people that get into STEM fields because they have a passion for it, but I feel like um, men are kind of innately, uh, they're kind of they're kind of innately geared to to think mathematically and to think within probabilities and, and being able to kind of figure out. I can't tell you how many times I sat and was just, awestruck by my grandfather reverse engineering something that he had seen twice. And I was like, what? And then, you know, as a dad, I kind of naturally do that now where I'm just like, oh yeah, I bet you could do that. I bet I could figure this out. You know, and you just like, you're, that's just how your brain works. You're like, we've got duct tape. We got duct tape. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Some sticks, <laughs> some duct tape, and maybe a hammer. Um, and then uh, obviously, especially uh, for me, I have three sons, and so one big thing for me that I am, uh, I it, I really, it's probably one of my least favorite things to do as a dad, but uh, teaching my sons uh, hygiene care, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you got stinky teenagers that have to start wearing deodorant and just all of the things that you're going through with like uh, kids who are in puberty and stuff like that, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of weight um, to that, but it is an important job that we have as parents is to make sure that our kids are taking care of themselves hygienically and, and that sort of thing. So those, uh, uh, you know, those, those educational and practical needs and then, or practical knowledge. And then we have worldly knowledge. Um, so social understanding, work ethic and leadership skills, emotional awareness and maturity. Those are kind of the things that I think about when I think about, worldly knowledge and and kind of how the world works and, and knowing how to communicate with people and how to be aware of your surroundings. And, and, you know, we might, the four of us might call it street smarts, you know, and just, yeah. just really having an understanding of the environment we're in and the people we're around and how we can act and how we can't act within certain, you know, social settings, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, and you know, that's something I can say 
my when I was growing up, my parents were very social people. Um, but I think that uh, once I became a teenager, I really emulated a lot of my uh, social connections with people to that of my dad. My dad and I are very similar when it comes to our social networking ability and, and how we are just comfortable sitting in a room with complete strangers and having a conversation with people we've never met. And by the time we walk out of that room, we have a handful of new people that we enjoy talking to, even if that's literally the only time that we get a chance to talk to them. Um, and so I think that we learn a lot of that sort of social discernment from our fathers because yeah, I know I did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're, they're just, I don't know what it is. They're just keyed in a little bit more sometimes uh, than, than a lot of other people in the room. And even, I think it's funny too, because if you sit like two men next to each other, you can tell the ones that have kids and the ones that don't a lot of times, just because of the awareness of what's going on around them. They seem to be keyed in on things that, you know, somebody who doesn't have a kid and isn't aware of those things all the time might not even notice, yeah. you know, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, and then, of course, uh, in my opinion, um, and I think in, in uh, all of our opinion, biblical knowledge is a huge thing uh, that as fathers we have the responsibility to impart on our families. Um, you know, understanding our role in the accountability under God, how, you know, the Bible describes that we are accountable to God and through us, our family is accountable under that and how, um, you know, we can really positively and negatively affect our relationships with one another if we have that accountability out of order and not really understanding what our role is as a leader in our home. Um, I think that especially, this is especially applicable in today's day and age, is gender roles. You know, your, your mother and your father really are the true example of what gender roles are in but, your life. But what about your toaster and your carrot? Well, not my mother and my father. What about the other genders like toaster and toasters carrot? Toasters and carrots. Well, I was thinking more like cats and dogs, but yeah. Oh, that's fair. It okay. makes sense. It makes sense. You I know, just want to make sure. I just want to cover all those genders. Right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, especially, you know, in, in our household, one thing that has been... I think it's a challenge as a parent, but it is definitely something that I take very seriously is um, helping my children not only find their identity for themselves, but also their identity in Christ and being able to understand, you know, my 14-year-old and my 11-year-old um, have made a decision for Christ and and. Uh, they're still asking questions and they're still growing in that walk, which is exciting for me, but helping them understand that there is a greater identity that they have when they can identify in Christ, you know, and that it's not through the world's eye that they should be looking at themselves, but it should be the, the eyes of Christ that they should be looking at themselves and yeah. how in everything he should be the example of how we communicate with people and how we connect with people and how we hold ourselves accountable. Um, yeah, that goes back to the same message that uh, <clears throat> our good friend Coy, yeah, who was on recently, that I told that his re retold his sermon or part of it anyway. Yeah, on here about God being the center of the circle and yeah. everything stemming off of that. And yeah, 
And uh, I told him how that that sermon stuck with me so many times, and I even I said it talked about it on here on the podcast. And then when he was here, he actually uh, he went right into it talking about it. And I was like, oh, dude, I've told That's that so many times here on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when they committed themselves to, to Christ, I, I was actually invited to the attempted drowning. It was, uh, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing watching your best friend <clears throat> try to drown his entire family in one day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they yeah. came out unscathed and right. you know, a lot better off. That's right. Yeah. Dead it, to sin and alive in Christ. That's right. <laughs> well, it has, it has to happen drowning. that way. That's <laughs> it. It has to happen that That's way. That's it. It's like I've never, it. I've never seen such a, such a violent show of almost death. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's uh, well. What's well, a representation? Absolutely, and that's definitely you know that's a conversation for another time. But that's very yeah. much that's very much what that that emulates. Um, he went down to the second to last bubble on one. Well, of them. I mean, he <laughs> talks back a lot. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> you had to wait till he actually saw Jesus yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's there. I saw you his hand go him? up, and I was like, "Oh, that's you know that's that it. feeling you have time to pull oh, him up, pull him out." <laughs> <laughs> You know that feeling you've had of Jesus like draping yeah. over you? I need you to actually see him. Oh, no. So we're going to keep you there for a little bit. <laughs> no, no. Oh, my goodness. Um, so uh, the third the third piece of being a provider as a father uh, is uh, providing love and um, uh, what that looks like. And and I really had to ask myself, uh, myself uh, this question of, as a father, how do I and how do we show love to the people that we consider our children in our lives. And um, so what I, what I put was uh, through unconditionally caring for our family and our children, um, through physical touch, whether it be hugs or piggyback rides or kids on shoulders. I think we've kind of all, yeah, it's, no, not that one. Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. And then, uh, uh, and honestly, I think this one probably is, is the most um, simple for Alan to identify in. Uh, but celebrating the victories of our children, you yeah, know, they're okay. Right. And then just really <laughs> like having that connection of, uh, you know, I, I just, I think it's so, uh, so cool to think about how, you know, you're sitting in the stands and you get a chance to see your kid, uh, you know, hit a three pointer or, or shake somebody or something like that. And you feel really good about it. like, you're not even on the court. You feel really good about it. And you, you get know? to yell at your kid. You're like, rip their face. Off. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. But just, just having that role of showing that sort of that love. And I do think it's always really funny to me when the kids come off, you know, the field or they come off the court or they come back in and everybody's excited and they immediately give their mom a big hug. And, <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> Oh, I'll wait for my turn. I'll wait. Um, <laughs> See, I have to be her coach. So, yeah, that's true. And it's I told her before this all started, I'm like, understand, I have to have that proud papa moment with everybody on this team. Yep. So you call me coach while we're here. And then as soon as we're done, yeah, call we're me dad. In the car. That's right. And she's I'm like, can I call car. you coach dad while they call you coach Allen? And I'm like, that's fair. <laughs> that's, fine. That's, fine. that's fine. Yeah, but I, you know, I think that as, as fathers, obviously we show love differently than, than mothers do. And mothers have that that innate nurturing sense to them yeah. and um, they have those really close uh, moments and opportunities, especially as, as kids are growing up. And then as dads sometimes, and this is at least my experience when we had um, our first son, uh, it took me about six months to really feel that connection of not that I ever looked at my son and, and was like, that's not my kid. No, like those kids all, 
there's no doubt in my mind that every one of those kids looks exactly like I did when I was growing up. <laughs> but there was <laughs> true. A, there was a moment <laughs> when I'm holding my son. I think he was about six months old, and all of a sudden we locked eyes. You know, because as babies are growing, their eyes are developing and they can see further and further out. And then all of a sudden I had this kid who was looking back at me and I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Get away. Get away. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that actually leads me into. Uh, Good thing my, there was padded floors. In the room. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> looking right at yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, that leads me into my my next point. Uh, so as uh, it was just two bounces, Alan. It was just he's two. gonna be okay. Yeah, and it's one of them was on one of them was on his butt. Of course, it's I mean, a third bounce rule. A, as, long as, as long as you can scoop them up before the third bounce. Yeah. But if they stay on the ground too long, then you leave them there. You don't want to put them anywhere near oh, your mouth. No, <laughs> I'm not gonna kiss you on the forehead. You were on the ground too long. Oh my gosh. Ten second rule. That's right. Uh, so. <laughs> So the next point, um, and and uh, that kind of not not that uh, <laughs> anecdote, but uh, but uh, the next point is as a father we are the protector, right? And uh, in Psalm fourteen twenty six it says, "Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge." And when I think about, uh, and this was actually a point that I made to my sons yesterday, um, that when I think about my role as dad, um, I get to be, you know, the fun, lovey, like I'm the provider when I'm at work and I get to be the fun, lovey dad when we're sitting on the couch watching a movie. But in between those times, when my kids are at school or when my kids are even at church and we're separated, my mind is, <laughs> no, <laughs> my mind is all about their safety and their protection and making sure that they're safe and that they're okay, and that I'm putting their livelihood in the hands of someone else when I'm not there as their protector. And so um, I think, you know, again, like like any good pastor might teach, I had three points on how to be a protector. And so uh, as fathers, we're protectors from the world, reinforcing that the world is going to hold them to an unrealistic standard and that they can only control their controllables. So when the world looks at us, they're looking at, you know, when they're looking at our children, their their definition of success is, oh, you're not making enough money. Uh, you, you don't have good enough achievements in your life. Um, you're not meeting others' expectations. And so as fathers, we have a responsibility to protect the hearts and the minds of our children from those specific things that the world puts on them as weight. Uh, my second point, um, we're protecting them from those around them, including ourselves. Um, That's probably help, one of the tougher ones. Yeah. Uh, helping them to understand that they have value and that they are wanted, cared about, and loved. Um, that their friends are going to come and go. We had a discussion about that earlier with your daughter, um, that friends are going to come and go and teaching them how to cope with loss, how to cope with rejection, how to understand that their value is not in someone else liking them. That even when somebody else that they want to like them doesn't like them, that there's still value there. Yeah. And then um, that their peers are going to pressure them into being uncomfortable, being in unsafe, and being in uneducated circumstances and teaching them how to say no 
with authority, but then also with respect and compassion. And not saying no just because you want to be hateful, but that you are teaching them how to be critical thinkers and how to understand that, and I'll get into this a little bit more, but how to understand that some of those decisions that you're going to make are going to have good consequences and some of them are going to have bad consequences. And understanding that whatever you decide to choose, you're also choosing that whatever happens after that is something that you are accepting onto yourself, so even if you're ignorant of it. That's the way my, my dad would always, he, would ne- he actually never said the word, the word no to yeah. us as kids. Yeah. He'd always say, okay, you want to make this decision. And then he would, and then like, which immediately like, makes you go, do I, do I want to make this decision? Yeah. yeah. Like, like a nighttime news host, he would yeah. spell it out for us. Like, okay, yeah. here's, here's what yeah. could, you could go this Avenue, but it could also go this Avenue. And then here's all the the negatives of both of those avenues right. because there was, it was never going to be anything positive of any decision that we were making because it was stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And as kids, you know, with our dads, those are the things we're learning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was that, Lou? I, c- I couldn't hear you very well. Language. Language, yeah. Language. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that third point of being a protector is... <laughs> <Caught> him. Right? <laughs> uh, is, is teaching them how to protect themselves from themselves. Did I say something? You said stupid. Oh, uh-huh. no. I, don't, I didn't say that. That's okay. all right. Forward. <laughs> That's right. Um, so how to protect themselves from themselves. Um, and I think we we all continue to learn this lesson, but that there will definitely be times in our life when we don't feel good enough, when we haven't accomplished our goals, when we find ourselves in a dark and a depressing state, and protecting our kids and teaching them how to find hope and light and truth in their value. And then sometimes these things are in spite of what seems to be normal or right. Because there are lots of times, and I, I mean, especially growing up, um, I'm, I can still be this way at times, but especially growing up, and you can ask Alan and from experience, there were tons of times when I was asked to do something and I would say yes to it, and either I wouldn't, I wouldn't go through with it and it may not be anything dangerous or bad. It could just be like, Hey, do you want to go to the game store with me? And then, you know, in the 11th hour, I'm like, Hey, I'm not going to go or Hey, I can't go. Or I just didn't show up. And, you know, sometimes saying no was the right thing for me to do instead of just leaving somebody hanging. And that's kind of the example that I, that I was thinking of is like, there are times when what, what our reaction is, is to say yes to something or to accept something as if it was true. And for for that, we want to apologize to the two or three other people Don promised this time to tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know he was at least double booked. I'm almost always double booked. That is true. As a matter of fact, I am tomorrow, which is really, really funny. Thank you for being here, Don. Yes. But he's here, so we win. (laughs) That's That's all of you didn't see him tonight. That's all you need to know. That's right. We won his attention for a night. That's right. Um, So, yeah, just, you know, helping them understand that not only are we the provider to the family as father, but we are also a protector, whether it's to themselves or to the world or to just the people around them. 
that we're there to protect them and to make sure that they're safe and to make sure that they understand that they have value and that they they may not succeed in everything, but that does not make them a failure. Just because you don't <laughs> succeed in everything. The face that Alan's making. What? <laughs> really hope my kid doesn't watch this. I mean, she's the one who tripped off of a box and twisted her ankle. So That's let's fair. In let's, the weight room. In the weight room. Yeah, let's let's talk about exactly. that. Wait, like weight room, like lifting weights or like the waiting no, room? No, the waiting room in the hospital. No, she in saw the weight blocks. room lifting weights. Oh, okay. And she was doing box jumps. <laughs> There was a six-year-old on the floor with building blocks, and she decided to jump on them and twist Elk. her ankle. No, no, she was doing, she was doing box jumps. You're not supposed to box jump on the Duplos. That's right. That's right. Everybody knows that. Nothing Everybody. Lego-esque. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It has interlocking pieces and parts, but that doesn't mean it's stable enough for you. So yeah, every week I just look at her and go, "Is this the week you dunk? Is this the week you dunk?" And apparently, that was no. wrong because that's probably why she was doing box jumps. Right. Behind my back. Yep. <laughs> How old is she now? She's 12. 12? She hasn't uh, dunked yet it, either. It'll take a while before she'd be able to dunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's only like three women in the NBA and the WNBA could do it. Wow. So. Yeah. And then next year it'll be Riley. There you yeah. go. Yeah. There you go. All it takes is Get that trampoline. Don't worry. Somewhere in between there will be a bunch of men dressed as women. Uh, <laughs> that oh box gosh. cut uh, jump, yeah. it's good. It that's, that helps them from jumping up. Also, get on a piece of two by four and just go up and down with your legs there to you make go. them stronger. Build those calves up. Yeah, that's it. All right, and so for the last uh, point that I have um, with the cost of being, you know, the cost of fatherhood is being a preparer. And um, I used uh, uh, scripture out of Proverbs. Uh, another Proverbs, uh, another proverb, I should say, uh, out of Proverbs 22. I didn't start with Proverbs. I just decided to throw like seven or eight of them in at the end because I knew that you'd ask. I feel like I feel like Don's <laughs> outline had to be perfect this time. He's like, yeah. if I'm going to say I prepare, I'm going to make sure this thing looks gorgeous. I, yeah, like this does. outline it looks, looks amazing. It looks great. It looks like yeah. Scar did it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> he was very prepared, <laughs> but he wasn't. That's right. That's right. Kids are very difficult to teach and yeah. help. They are very difficult. They um they expect too much from you. They want you to love them, but yet they want to do what they want. That's you right. Know? That's and right. And that's when you got to be on top of them. That's it. That's it. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, Finally, someone's on board with this. I, no, I agree. <laughs> no, I'm just Capital punishment. <laughs> Capital punishment. That's it. Oh man. Hey, it worked for me. I dude, I Is remember that, being in well, we'll go into that. That later. guy putting stocks in his front yard. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh so my third point, being a preparer. Um, and uh this scripture comes out of Proverbs twenty two six and it says, Start children off on the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Um, so our job in fatherhood in preparing our kids is Three points. One, preparing them to become an adult. Uh, and I actually used a few different scriptures on here. I did not use the references, but I will get those to Josh if he wants to add them to the notes. But oh, yeah. yeah, we'll put them in the description for everybody. Uh, Paul says, when I was a child, uh, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I reasoned like a child. Uh, but now that I'm a man, I've put childish things behind me. And so when I think of my responsibility as a dad teaching my sons um, and preparing them to become an adult, the things I think of is allowing them to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. 
uh, instilling in them self-confidence to trust their intuition. And if they don't have that intuition yet, when they're faced with new situations, teaching them how to think critically uh, and thoughtfully in order to find the appropriate response. Because sometimes the reactionary response is not the appropriate response. And having those skills to be able to think critically, to think creatively, that's what's going to help you get through or out of that situation. Uh, and then knowing, and this I already kind of said this a, li- uh, a little bit earlier, but knowing uh, that their actions have consequences, both good and bad, and understanding how their decision can and will affect themselves and the people around them. And knowing that, I mean, knowledge is, what do they say? Knowledge is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think understanding how to make good decisions, how to, even if it takes you longer starting out, how to make good decisions. How to think. Yes. Not what to think. How to think, not what to think. Yeah, absolutely. We've reiterated that since episode one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Not Star Wars episode one. That one. No. FFP episode one. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, so as a father in preparing, uh, we're also preparing them to go into the world. And um, I, you know, uh, uses, use Jesus' own, world, or own words, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. So as a father, what we're doing is we're preparing our kids to be able to go into the world and to not only succeed and find, uh, find out, you know, how to think critically and, and things like that. But, uh, but also, you know, how to see the truth, uh, in the facts, uh, not in the opinions of others. I'm looking at you learning how to see the facts and understanding <laughs> that you made Sterling smile. He thought, he thought, he thought you meant good. You no, him. not yeah. yet. Yes. You, He's smiling. <laughs> you, mister, stop thinking about what other people think about. He's like, I felt so empowered. That's right. Uh, so teaching them how to look at the facts and how to use those facts as the building blocks for truth instead of what other people's opinions are, not what other people's truths are, because that's all that is. Still, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. <laughs> and, uh, we still need your support. Enjoy our opinions, right. please. That's right. Um, so we're also preparing them in the world to know how to protect themselves uh, from attacks both inside and outside of themselves. I mean, you know, subscribing to Revolver Broadcasting is good good critical thinking. That's, yeah. I'm just saying. That's true. And, true. and the Laughing Libertarian, Rodriguez Rants, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're out there. I don't, I don't <laughs> think my show is critical thinking at this point. <laughs> I think it's just enjoyable content for there people above the age of 18. Anyway, yes, yes. 100%. Still. Um, <laughs> so we're teaching them also uh, to and preparing them to be uh, to be a light and to be an encouragement to others around them. Uh, and then to find the things that they find true joy, peace, hope, and love in, um, and allowing them to understand that those things are going to change throughout your life. The things that I'm passionate about now are not the same things that I was passionate about 10, 20, and 30 years ago. Uh, And so just really helping them understand that as they are growing, um, that they're going to continue to change, that, that growth is not... Growth doesn't end at 18. I can tell you, and I think we can all tell you at this point, uh, the age that we are now and the experiences that we have had up to this point have definitely changed the way that we think and the things that we do and what we think about 
as compared to 20 years ago. Oh yeah. You know, and, um, and so my last point on this is, um, we are as fathers preparing our kids to also be parents. I can think of multiple times when my wife and I have had conversations about how when we were children, this is how our parents did it. And these are the things that I do and don't want to do Yeah, as a parent. And I know that my sons are all going to have those same conversations if and when they are in that place to start talking about being a parent and how to raise their kids and what they want in their own family chemistry. Uh, so, well, and now they have a reference on the internet forever. That's right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in preparing to become uh, a parent themselves, I added a couple more uh, verses in here. So Proverbs seventeen six it says, children's children are a crown of the aged and parents are the pride of their children. Uh, I, when I, when I read this verse, the first thing I thought of was I remember being a kid and having those days where you invited your parents to come in and talk to the other kids in your classroom about what they did for a living and how yeah. it was always exciting, like, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, can you come with me and, and talk to the group of people? You know what I mean? Like how, as our kids, how exciting that is for them. Like I can tell you my kids are always asking me when they can go to work with me, and I'm like, First of all, you definitely don't want to just sit around while I'm at work because <laughs> it is boring as heck. Um, but just how excited they are with who their parents are, you know, and who who they can identify as the leadership and, and the authority in their life and how exciting it is for them. Um, out of John 3, I'm sorry, out of 3 John uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, <clears throat> uh, uh, it gave me great joy when some believers came and uh, testified about your faithfulness in the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Uh, and so just thinking about as a parent, when we're preparing our kids to become parents, how exciting it is when we continue to reflect on who our children are and that they're continuing to walk in that way. They're continuing to walk in that truth. Um, and that, the life that they have is not only fulfilling to them, but it's also fulfilling to us yeah. as the people who have led in their lives. And again, like what's exciting is like John is not writing to his children. John is writing to his children in the faith, just like Paul would write about Timothy and his son in the faith. He refers to him as the son in the faith a lot. And that's a very different relationship because that's a mentor mentee but they looked at each other as father and son. They didn't look at each other as, well, that's just my teacher. Like, he's not, you know. No, they looked at each other in that, that intimate relationship to say, it's exciting for me to hear from other people that you are continuing to do this, which is awesome because that means the effort and love that I have put into investing in you is continuing to bear fruit in you. And that's just exciting as a dad to think about that. Um, so my kind of last thoughts on here, um, I put, though I, though I can definitely wait <laughs> before my kids have kids, before I get to become uh, a grandfather, um, I do get excited in anticipation to see their future as parents, uh, whether they have their own biological kids, whether they 
have their own stepkids, whether they decide to adopt, whatever that looks like. Um, it's exciting to me that one day my sons are going to have somebody in their life that calls them daddy. And so uh, without getting too emotional about that and yeah. jumping too far ahead uh, in my own life and, and getting more white hairs in my <laughs> reddish blonde beard than I have right now, um, just thinking about that opportunity, um, there's a protective part of me that thinks about some of the things that have happened in the recent past with kids. And I can tell you, especially from the conversation I had with my sons yesterday, that when I think about being a father and being a protector and being a provider um, and preparing my kids for what that life is like, it is very difficult for me to think about if someone were to take that away from them, even themselves. Like it is, it is never a comfortable situation to be in, whether that be them making the wrong decision and, and, um, you know, being on the wrong side of the law or someone going in and harming them or them harming themselves, whatever that scenario is, just the thought that that could be a reality, it breaks my heart and, thinking about people who have been in that position, it breaks my heart even more that that is a reality that other people are dealing with. Um, so, you know, not to end on a downer or anything like that, but that's, you know, that is one thing as a parent that I don't think any of us are ever prepared for. You know, I'm happy you said that because I literally got to say this the other, or just a few weeks ago. I said, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, a, a child, not mine, told me I'm, I'm a screw up. I'm a screw up. And I said, look, life, I'm almost 40 years old. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, what you need to understand is I am almost 40 years old and I have gone nearly every single day of these 40 years messing up somewhere, somehow. But the thing about life is you're going to wander through life screwing up a lot. doesn't mean you're a screw up. Unlike a lot of other things you do every day, you are that, right? But screwing up is something that as long as you do two things, learn and don't screw up so bad that you can't come back from it. Those two things are the only things that matter when it comes to screwing up because you're going to do it all the time and that's how you're going to learn and that's how you're going to, how you're going to proceed in life. Yeah. Yeah. How you're going to get better. Just don't screw up so much that you can't come back from it, such as death or <laughs> imprisonment, yeah. things like that. Don't, don't, keep it in between the rails on the screw up game and you should be okay. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> right. Just learn yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, one thing about being a dad and, and I have my conclusion here, but one thing that I wanted to touch on very quickly about being a, uh, being a dad or being a father figure, being a mentor, like I said, in the beginning of this, we all are going to have opportunities in our lives to be able to share with people in that fatherly way. And I think that our job when we take on that position is to lead with compassion, it's to lead with integrity, it's to lead with forgiveness, it's to lead with mercy, and it's to lead with strength. And to understand, and there's lots of other qualities that I probably haven't named, but to to take on that role of a father figure in people's lives 
is, in my opinion, one of the hardest and one of the most rewarding positions you can ever have. And it's never too late for you to to be that positive influence in someone's life. That's true. You know, the, you're never going to be in a situation there. I, I guarantee you that there are example after example after example of people who even on their deathbed have taken the opportunity to sow life into someone else that is in that fatherly mentor position. And it could have been with their very last breath, but there's never too late of an opportunity for you to be able to do that in your life. So in conclusion, uh, all of these same, or all, sorry, all of these same qualities of fatherhood are found uh, in our Heavenly Father. And in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So you see, God, the creator of all things, sought to have such a relationship with us that he sent his son to us. The purpose for which was to provide a renewing of our hearts and our minds, to protect us from an enemy that's sole purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy us, and to prepare us for eternal life in the kingdom of God, standing before the throne forever and ever. And this is why God is the perfect example of what we should be as fathers in people's lives. Providing, protecting, and preparing. So that is the word that I have to share with you guys tonight. Yeah. Amen to that. Looking at your kid and going, all right, go out in the world. You got to your mid-30s. Good luck. That's right. That's right. That's it. That's the cost of fatherhood. That's, I mean, that's it. You know, being able to. Uh, I didn't get anything out of Sterling on that one. Yeah, there was some producer talk over there. That's right. Making sure we sound good. Doing his job. Um, Doing his job. <laughs> you know, we're talking about like mentoring because I'm, I'm a non-father at the table, but being in that, you know, been an uncle many times over and. Um, you're ordained. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it took me a minute. There it is. We'll give you a little white collar next week. Yeah. Uh, But also uh, getting a chance to mentor uh, some some young people here with with Revolver, too, because a couple of them aren't aren't here tonight. And, uh, and, um, yeah, we've enjoyed having them. We've got, you know, young Mr. Cam Reed over there on the audio tonight, and we enjoy his company a lot. And we love getting a chance to mentor him and have what we've had lots of conversations together. And um, we're in the cam camp. Yeah, we are. We are. We are. Camp Cam. Hashtag Cam Camp. <laughs> He's looking away camp from us cam. now. <laughs> Hashtag Cam. But we've had More life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's done. He's done now. <laughs> and he's taking off the headphones. Yeah. <laughs> it's not often that I get the he, head shake. He's, he's back. He's back. Now, but we have had really some really good conversations, and and uh, and I I feel like I've gotten a chance to mentor. Um, and uh, it means a lot to me to get, be, have that have that opportunity to, to mentor uh, any of our young people that we have coming through here. Um, uh, but that being said, you know, like I know that like my dad's here a lot, so like I get you know to be the the kid or whatever a lot of times. But like I'm sitting right next to a guy here that although he's like my brother a lot of times, I also Louis, you're like a father to me a lot, and. Um, 
trying not to do the emotional thing like you because you, it's you, tough because you know when someone means a lot to you like that it it's tough because <laughs> you don't, well, you don't your wanna... father's gonna punish you to the room for <laughs> <laughs> you're grounded you're grounded josh <laughs> um but it does you know um you don't always get the chance to have a, a good f- a friendship like that with someone who could teach you values and and life things that i wouldn't have otherwise learned uh without meeting louis um yeah and yeah it's just meant the world to me so even though maybe you didn't realize it uh over all this time but you mentored me a lot and i've learned a lot from you and it means a lot and um i'm I'm happy to call you my brother and my friend you've seen all the problems i've been going through that's what it is (laughs) i I heard i heard um uh, a pastor a while back uh equate um our jobs in ministry uh and i think that this definitely can still apply to our roles in the family as well as father figures but he equated it to uh, the relationship of abraham isaac and jacob so when you think of abraham isaac and jacob you have abraham the old experienced elder of the family you have isaac who is that middle generation who is leading but still also learning and then you have jacob who is gaining that experience from the two people that he looks up to, his father and his grandfather. And what's so interesting is the reason he brought it up is he, he said, we're always looking for an Abraham while we're teaching a Jacob. And I was like, man, that's such a cool thing to think about in fatherhood is that I look up to my dad and I think about the things that I've learned from him and I'm trying to always teach my sons in that same vein of how I'm learning continually. But eventually, I will be Abraham yeah, in someone's life. And my sons will be an Isaac. And there will be a Jacob that they are continuing to teach. And so just thinking about that relationship that how we are constantly, you know, we have Cam here. He's kind of our he's kind of our Jacob. You know, he's he's learning and yeah. he's in the process. And when we think about not to how, be too cheesy, but Cam. Cam yeah, we're in your I, camp. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's, he's shrinking. Just, he, he is, is actively shrinking right now. Into his hood. Um, but just thinking about the fact that that in that relationship, we're always looking for the next generation, but we're always looking to the last, right? Learning from their mistakes, learning from their successes and trying to teach those sorts of things. And I just thought that that was such a cool comparison. And, and when you were talking about how Louis is is definitely a father figure, and then, of course, your dad being that father figure in your life and just learning from the things that they have done in their life and the things that they've experienced and how they may be an Abraham in your life, but Louis may have an Abraham in his life that he's always looking up to and that he's learning from and, and that's a mentor. I just think that that's such a cool visual to think about is how we have those those fatherly opportunities yeah i think we've talked about that in the past where we've yeah. we've learned from each other yeah and we Lou, yeah. a lot yeah um one thing i want to say is that we try let's say a lot of people like you you try your best you raise your kid the right way and this and that in the old days the kids were supposed to take care of their parents as they get older yep mm-hmm. But nowadays, kids don't want to be tied up to a, an old man or an old father. They put them right in a home right away. Yeah. And then they forget about them. Yeah. And I don't think that's right. 
yeah. think that they should take care of their, or their their father or their mother and and help. I mean, she was there when you needed it. She right. changed your diapers. She, <laughs> yeah. As smelly as it was, she, she changed them. <laughs> and, um, yep. and um, she raised you and tried to teach you. And um, you're going to abandon her afterwards, you know, or your father and put them in a home, yeah. which they don't want to go. Yeah. And I don't think that's right. I think we should be able to take care of our parents. Well, and I think what's interesting, too, about that specific observation is when you look at past generations where they had those elders still in the household and maybe their children were taking care of them or their grandchildren were kind of helping take care of them, there was, all like, even though there might have been more of a burden, and I don't mean burden in a negative sense, but I just mean burden in a very objective definition, there's still a burden of um, care that you are putting in their lives, but the reciprocal wisdom that they are pouring out to the people around them was always kind of that trade-off, right? Yeah. It was it was this, this sage-like wisdom that is being passed down to generation and generation and generation because you still had that elder in that family. And it's really, in my opinion, I think it's really only been probably within the last hundred years or so where that dynamic in the family has really drastically changed to be exactly that. Like my, my grandmother is 94 and she, or sorry, 93. She just turned 93. Uh, and I don't get to see her nearly as much as I want to because I'm also taking care of my own kids. Yeah. And it's like, if that social family structure was still similar to that, she would be at my, I would be at her disposal and she would be at mine. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of wisdom that doesn't get carried down, which I mean, you can kind of see in a lot of ways, a lot of ways socially, like where we're at, there's a lot of wisdom that hasn't been carried down. And a lot of words, uh, there's a lot of wisdom when you do keep that old lady yeah. in the house. That's right. Because she knew a lot. She raised you and right. she could give them some hints. And she can at least tell you the same story every 15 or 20 minutes. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> or, or worst case scenario, she tells you what was on the view that day. That's right. That's right. That's a worst case scenario. <laughs> it is a worst case scenario. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, what would be a step up from there? Telling you what was on CNN that day? Right. I don't know. That's, just tell me what was on CNN Plus. That's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> For you who don't know. Nope. That only lasted a month. <laughs> yep. It was just blank. The 404. It was a 404. And that's what I found on CNN Plus today. That's it. This show has more viewers. It's true. That's it. Yeah. To, the, to this day. Yeah. Because even if we just had one, we would still have more right. viewers than that. That's right. <laughs> That's it. Stop bragging. I, you know, this is because I haven't had my dad for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it's, it's awkward and weird sometimes when I think about that, especially when you were saying like the Isaac and Abraham, mm -hmm. um, because all I have left are like, like the memories. Right. And I, yeah. and I have to trust my memory. Like I have to trust my memory that I'm not um, elevating him too far that I'm looking at his failures so I can learn from them. Um, you know, I don't want to put him at such a level that I can't live up to it. Right. Um, because, you know, while it sounds strange, I don't want to just live up to whatever he was. I want to exceed it because I feel like my daughter below me deserves that. 
Right. I feel like if as long as I keep elevating and she sees me and she attempts to elevate over me, this will trickle down perfectly. Right. Um, so, I mean, this is a, this is a really interesting topic to talk about for me because I, I constantly kind of think about like what my dad was, mm-hmm. who he was, you know, I know who he was obviously, but I just, I, as the time goes by, you know, just like everything else, you always forget the bad. You only remember the good, yeah. but sometimes you have to remember if there is just a sliver of bad. My dad was overall was, had really not a whole lot of bad qualities. I mean, he was a good guy. Everybody loved the guy and he was super helpful no matter what. Right. His time was not valuable to him. It was valuable to everybody else. And he was fine with that. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I never want to just possibly just canonize this, just put him somewhere that, right. That he is, uh, way well, above. You, you want to keep him in a, in a, I think you want to, you want to look at the legacy that your dad left in an optimistic light, but you still want to be pragmatic about how you apply that. And I think that that is definitely, I think that's definitely a risk that you run. Like my granddad, I, you know, I loved my granddad growing up, but he passed away in 94. And, you so know, you that a window of like that. Yeah, you know? exactly. I was 10 years Sorry, old. I was, when, yeah, Mike. I was 10 years old when he passed away. And so what I remember is maybe five, six years of my life, like actual cognitive memory that I have of him. So it's like of the 10 years I was alive, the memories I have were maybe six, maybe seven years of my life. And even then it's not like I lived with him. So then it's like, now you're cherry picking those Good and bad. Yeah. And, and like I, that time he yelled at me cause I did right. this thing at his house. <laughs> right. But then that one time he took me to get that's ice it. cream. I can tell like, you that you got, I back talked right? to my mom one time in his presence. I don't remember what happened after that. The next seven years actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's it, you're, I, I totally agree with you. And, and I think that it can be tough when you're in that situation where you, are looking for that connection and that connection is so distant, which is why I think it's also really important for us as individuals to continue to seek people that we can look at and look to for that sort of counsel and that sort of mentor opportunity. You know, there's a lot of people you and I have, have a lot of crossover with some of our friends because we run in some of the same like friend groups, like, like Bill Stivers and stuff I, like that. I don't hang out with your people. <laughs> you are my people. Just so you're aware. <laughs> um, so, so I think that there are a lot of times when we, when we kind of get caught up in what we're doing and maybe missing that opportunity. And I'm, I'm guilty of, I think we all have been guilty of kind of looking back five years later and going, oh, man, I wish I would have, I wish I would have made that connection to whomever. So I'm done. Uh, oh, you're good. I saw him. I can yeah. see Sterling better than all of y'all. <laughs> Giving me that wrap up. Shut up, Don. Put a period in this and move on. <laughs> okay. What are we talking about, Josh? Uh, you know, <laughs> things, stuff, stuff and things. Yeah. Those are my favorites. Well, you know, speaking of uh, connections and things oh. like that. Um, there was this uh, little company called SpaceX. Was that an hour? That was really an hour. Yeah. Holy wow. Okay. <laughs> SpaceX. Let's holy talk about wow. SpaceX. That is the correct holy way to say it. Wow. Holy, holy wow. wow. Hashtag it. Hell, holy wow. Hashtag holy wow. <laughs> We're You're saving welcome. that one for later. Holy wow. Right. Goes in the bank. <laughs> uh, but this uh, first article comes uh, tonight from the Washington Examiner. 
Uh, SpaceX's largest rocket ever built explodes four minutes after launch. Uh-oh. <laughs> Oops. Uh, SpaceX's uh, Starship, the largest rocket ever launched, exploded four minutes after takeoff. The spaceship exploded uh, above the Gulf of Mexico shortly after takeoff, uh, failing to achieve its ambitious goals, according to the New York Times. However, the explosion was only described as a setback for Elon Musk and, uh, and SpaceX, but not a fatal one. See, he's learning. Um, no, he has so much money, it doesn't matter. He blows up <laughs> millions of dollars. He's like, ah, that's that's bad. Hey, guys, uh, where was the second one? Is it almost ready yet? <laughs> I know well, it was delayed this, by a day. Yeah, this was uh, number 24. It's ship 24, yeah, so they've, they've done this before. Um. Well, I was going to say, but this is one of the few that actually, like, made it to the pad. Destructed, right? Oh. Um, or the yeah. way that he, the way... <laughs> the way that he, I know it's in the article that yeah. you're probably going to hit, but yeah, yeah, the way that he describes it is pretty hysterical. Yeah. Uh, SpaceX uh, described the event as a, quote, rapid, unscheduled disassembly before stage prepar- uh, separation. Yeah. There you go. I love it. Um, I love it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it blew up. No. No, no, it disassembled. <laughs> no disassemble. Yeah, yeah no disassemble. Johnny, Johnny Five is alive. <laughs> oh man, for for the youngsters oh, out there, there is a gosh. movie called Short Circuit, That's and if it. you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. Put it on your list, Cam. I know you haven't seen it. You watched you it? Have? Whoa! No Ali Sheedy. Yeah, is in that movie. Yeah, yeah, man, That's a great movie. Great, great movie. Yep. He had bad mechanics. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah, there they didn't. They didn't turn the wrench just just one too many times, or one not enough, right? Well, it works. Right. It was delayed a day because of fuel issues. Yeah, and so it was like when I saw, oh wait, hey, okay, it was supposed to go today. I didn't know anything was going on until I saw, you know, SpaceX delays. Well, of course they didn't say SpaceX. They said Elon Musk delays. Of course, yeah. yeah. But you know they had supply chain issues getting the fuel to the rockets. Right. Because of Biden, right? Right. No. Well, especially when they were in the air. They had a lot of supply chain issues. There's a lot of supply chain issues when you're four yeah. minutes in the air. Getting then, the pressure away from the rocket. Kaboom. Right, yeah. Lou? Rapidly Just. disassembling. <laughs> That is the great. I love that line. I want, I want to read it just just one yes. more time, right? Uh, let's see here. Um, Another mechanics left the wrench. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It wasn't that he. It wasn't yes. that he didn't tighten the right bolt. It was that he forgot to get the wrench out. Yeah, yeah no, they didn't use mechanics. They used surgeons. Oh, geez. that's why something was left inside. Well, it's oh, like oh, when, oh, when you ever like you you pull the car out of the garage and then you feel that thump thump on your car and you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> I should probably put the tire. All the way on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, when you're working by yourself, yeah, you learn. Yeah. You yeah, learn. You, know, you, you learn real fast. Che- you don't check the tension on the lug nuts. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me one time. Oh my! I put oh on the gosh. tire. I didn't tighten them up. Yeah. And I'm driving from here downtown to I forgot what it was. It was four, five, six miles. All of a sudden, I hear click, 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 click. Click, 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 click. So I go out and I At least you didn't feel the whole, bam, the whole wheel came off. The whole tire was, the the nuts were still there, but it was so loose that the the tire kept going back. So you had a big gap like that. (laughs) So I had to get the spare out. There you go. I have a story like that, Lou. I'll share with with you guys later. Um, But yeah, I'll share share it off screen. Um, But... uh, it says SpaceX still saw the test flight as a partial success with some employees uh, busting open a bottle of champagne amidst the cheers of go starship. Um, 
SpaceX CEO Elon Musk appeared optimistic about the test launch, uh, framing, uh, framing it as a learning experience. He said, quote, uh, congrats uh, at uh, SpaceX team on, a, on an exciting test launch of the Starship. Learned a lot for next test launch in a few months. So, yeah, I mean, you know, think about this, though. Here's the problem. All right. So other people look at that as a failure. Right. He's looking at it with a positive light. But honestly, how else do you test that? Yeah. I mean, they can look at the numbers. They can crunch the numbers. They can use you know a lot of programs to try to That's figure right. out how it's going to go. But until they physically go out there and do it, the, the they don't know. And right. I mean, how many Eventually different rockets gotta, in history? Yeah. Eventually you got to pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I was, I was concerned when I had seen the story, I was like, like, why is this not like, did, did people get hurt? Did, you know what I mean? Like I'm thinking this is a manned rocket. And then I'm just reading and I was like, oh, it's, it's literally just a tinker toy full of jet fuel, rocket <laughs> fuel, I guess, <laughs> flying into space and then just becoming, you know, confetti. You got Sterling nearly falling out of his chair over there. He's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a huge <laughs> bottle rocket. I mean, it's like, okay. <laughs> that whistle. He makes that whistle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, mommy. There's, there's the callback. <laughs> good, thing, good thing they didn't use the monkey for a guinea pig. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, or well, even a guinea pig. especially because it rapidly disassembled yeah. above <laughs> yeah. the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, four so. minutes in, and goodbye, bubbles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the Planet of the Apes come up. <laughs> Ape DNA in the sky. <laughs> oh my hey, gosh. man, you never know. That's true. Mm-hmm. Oh my Stranger things have happened. Yes, oh. they have. Uh, <laughs> and that's how monkeypox spreads. I knew it. <laughs> I love the the original name of the rocket too. Starship. Yeah. That that's that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Starship. Yeah. Nothing cool. Not like. Starship X twenty one or anything neat. Well, no, he has to well, get that far. And Roman Space yeah, yeah. X's <laughs> Starship. Yeah, yeah Space X's Starship. Yeah, too. yeah. So yeah, I mean, they have they have to be kind of cheesy, corny names to first test rockets, right? Because then, because the the one that's gonna carry people, that's the one that's got to have the cool name. I mean, right. think about it. How many enterprises had to blow up to get to seventeen oh one D? I mean, four, three, seventeen oh one. Oh, well, you said Enterprise, though. Right. How many Enterprises? Enterprise? 1701D. So 1701. 1,700 of them blew up on the way to get that one up in the air. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Nah, I think probably. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm sticking with it's it. It's a skew. It's a, it's a, it's a product number. It. No, it's, I'm sticking with it. It's like WD-40 was the 40th formula. The fo- well, that I'm is true. With it. Heinz 57. I thought, that, I thought that was 40 uses. SpaceX means there's 10 spaces. Yep, 10 spaces. <laughs> really tiny board. You can't really move that much. <laughs> I wonder if when Eli Musk gets it going and gets a spaceship to go up there, I wonder who's going to be on that spaceship. Only millionaires? Oh, probably. Well, they had that, that lottery. Because I think, I think this is the setup for the, the Mars yeah. mission, right? So yeah, I think so. I, I think that um, there's, there's peop- there are people already on a list um, if they don't die before they get there. <laughs> yeah, before they get to the people with money. <laughs> Could yeah. be people with money. Some people are, and then some people won like a like a name lottery thing that they did to, to draw uh, specific names. Well, they're looking for people with certain skill sets. Yeah. So I mean, a they particular want to set of skills. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, well, one of them, their daughters actually got kidnapped oh, to Mars. Oh, That's what happened to Mars. <laughs> yeah. I've like, seen that movie. Why are you applying for this? 
I believe Martians took my daughter. <laughs> I will find you, Martian, <laughs> and I will kill you. And that's the way it's going to be. Um, yeah. They're going to have experts. Yeah. Always going to be experts. Yeah. So that'll leave us. We're not experts, so yeah. we on Earth. Well, they're like, well, we're trying to start a trailer park. <laughs> <laughs> hey y'all get the youngins hey, come, come hey sir me. how would you feel about flying to mars <laughs> mars hill <laughs> indianapolis yeah. they tell me you want to go to mars oh sure what's your expertise making kids yeah, right <laughs> moonshine and children that's what that's we got it. down louis is good <laughs> i got 10 of them five <laughs> boys five He's, girls yeah, he, he made children <laughs> he was fruitful and multiplied <laughs> That's what God said. No, multiply. That's it. That's it. See, I've been working on addition. You've been multiplying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. See, oh Louis. Louis biblical. There you go. There you go. My goodness. See, what they should be doing is they should be working on building a really cool space station that they can launch from. Right, uh, launch from the, from yeah. ISS. Yeah, where they were launching from. You, ne- you need way less thrust to try and get out of an atmosphere that doesn't exist. Right, that was the whole the whole concept, right? So, I mean, even if you look at science fiction, the space shuttles were not built right on the planet; they were built in a in a standalone yeah sky dock uh, or sky whatever. dock. Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. So it's the same concept. You have far less thrust, yep. a lot easier to to launch it without any issue with the people down low. Yeah, well, these rockets have to be SpaceX or Boeing because they're the only ones that has the money to do it anymore. Because right. right. NASA themselves, they don't, they don't have it. Anymore. No, oh, they, they already said they're going to outsource to SpaceX. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> they, they said, well, all we got is T-shirt sales, man. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stop doing space camp. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a kid alive now that doesn't have a NASA T-shirt. Like, yeah, hey, look at true. me. I think my son has two and a pair of socks. Wrote <laughs> in rotation with the MTV T-shirt, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of rocky starts, though, um, uh, t- from town hall this week, we have uh, John Fetterman's uh, first hearing gets off to a rocky start. Very rocky start. Was it a first okay. reading? First reading, because <laughs> he can't process yeah. information he hears. Yeah. So Senator John Fetterman, uh, Democrat from. Pennsylvania is back on the hill after a lengthy hospital stay to treat clinical depression. Yeah, as yeah, if that's, that's what, what that was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were thinking the same same thing. I'm exactly. depressed. No, yeah. you're not. You can't process anything. <laughs> and good night. <laughs> at this time, and uh, and at this time, anybody will be depressed the way things are going on oh in the uh, Democrats yeah. and the Republicans. So then, White House. Yeah, that's true. Um, but what started as a few weeks uh, stayed. Uh, a few weeks stay turned into weeks with reports that the Pennsylvania Democrat wouldn't be released until mid April. Uh, Fetterman's doctors were reportedly trying to figure out his medication. As soon as the news broke, the former Braddock mayor was uh, discharged on March 31st. His wife came back early from her vacation. That's why. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the, that actually happened too as well. Um, We're glad to, uh, glad that the senator is doing better with his uh, mental health issues, but it doesn't mitigate the cognitive ones impacting his ability to do his job. Mr. Uh, Fetterman suffered a severe stroke in April of 2022, which sidelined him for weeks. He almost died. Um, instead of uh, bowing out, he, he exhausted the critical period for recovery to hit the campaign trail. Uh, now, 
He could have waited because a glass of water could have beat Dr. Oz. I'm just saying. Um, a decision that those close to him uh, might have led to permanent brain damage. It's evident. Mr. Fetterman is the, the chair of the Senate Subcommittee on Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry, and the opening remarks didn't go well. Even the Washington Post had to include that he stumbled a bit. So here's, uh, here's old Fetterman coming back, and it's not going too hot. I mean, I don't uh, think it's him at all. I think it's his wife 100% of the way. I think the only, he is nearly, he is merely just a puppet being pushed up because his wife really, really needs that, needs to be in the paycheck? spotlight. A paycheck, oh. spotlight, anything yeah, else. Plat- like platform. She to, wants that platform. Yeah, because yeah. she's a social media influencer. Otherwise, why sure. do you dump your husband into a hospital and then vanish? Yeah. So like, go on vacation. Go on vacation. Yeah. Yeah, because she said that she, that she just needed, the, the kids just needed a time to, not think about what their father was going through. And I'm like, uh, that's what they need to be focused on. Their father's in the hospital. Oh, I'm sorry. Instead are your kids depressed? In, cool. They can go hang out with their dad. Oh Instead my of being in, uh, in Mexico or Havana somewhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think that's where they went too. I think it was, was it, uh, wasn't it Mexico that she went to? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. That's rich people problems. Above <laughs> our pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, please like, share, and subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> yeah, use your critical thinking. That's subscribe. right. It's subscribe a miracle today. that nothing happened to her in Mexico the way things are going over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of miracles. Oh, why didn't they kidnap her? Right. I'm not oh, saying gosh. they should have. Why, why didn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they could have trafficked the kids right back over here. It would have been real simple. Yeah. They, and it's so easy because they didn't have to worry about really a whole lot of language barriers because they could have just, they have to text them anyway. Yeah. Right, there's so many apps they could just text in Spanish, comes right to him in English, and that's the only way he can understand it anyway. <laughs> Boom! And he doesn't have a, a specific set of skills to go get his kids back. That's right. He's got to pay up that ransom money. Yeah. The only yeah. thing he knows how to do is answer the door. You rang. Nice. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> how old is he now? Betterman? Yeah. Did you say uh, Detterman? No, <laughs> no, no but that's good. <laughs> I don't believe the article. Like, Alan is so hateful. Yeah, I don't know that it says it in there. I just didn't know if you knew off the top of your I head. I don't. Okay. Um, uh, he's 50 something. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's yeah. my. Wow. When, I, when I did my research for my show, I, he's like, can we can we Google uh, uh, age of John Fetterman on over there at the producer's desk? What what uh, what they're gonna do is um, keep the wife. Hold up for ransom and then tell the two kids, go across the border <laughs> with some drugs. Yeah, that's what I said. And your mother might live. I opened <laughs> up. I had, I had spin mops was the last thing I searched. And I was like, look, something more useful than John Fetterman. 53? 53. 53. Yeah. So you were pretty darn close now. Wow. He's still young. I give it a shot occasionally. He's still young, but I mean, I feel like when you've got problems like that, might want yeah. to be considering a new career choice. That's when my problems came up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Triple bypass, uh, diabetes, a little yeah. bit of this, a little bit of that. I just started removing just body parts. Bag. Yeah. Just a grab bag. Body parts. <laughs> a miracle I'm walking around. I yeah. should be. I should have a like a suit, a metal suit. You there know? you go, like Iron Man. Yeah. There we go. Iron Louie. <laughs> Iron Louie. <laughs> he can't turn right at all. He's just, it's all Louis all, all the time. <laughs> no Ralphs. I love, it. I love it. I'm proud to be a part of this uh, decision making here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Elon mm. Musk, make it happen. We need Iron Louie. That's right. <laughs> yeah, let's invest. Oh, that would be great. Let's invest our time on building power armor instead of building rockets that blow up over the. I'm going to wait at least. At least the hundredth suit. We want to see how many blow up first. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know that not you know. blow up, rapidly disassemble. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Rapid. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me look back sorry at that. How, the hell, how do they say it? <laughs> yeah, rapid, unscheduled disassembly before stage separation. There you go. <laughs> I don't know that you want to be inside of a power armor suit when it rapidly disassembles. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Before stage disassembly. Fit, yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, man. All right. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that uh, might be disassembled, uh, some some butts might be hurt out there. Um, coming from the Daily Fetch this week, uh, Twitter removes policy forbidding misgendering or deadnaming transgender individuals. Uh, the term deadnaming is used by the LGBTQIA plus whatever community to describe a person's given name being used after they have begun identifying as another gender under a new name. Uh, since 2018, the Twitter policy has uh, designated uh, using a person's given name after transitioning or intentionally uh, misgendering as a form of harassment against transgender individuals. However, on Monday, Twitter announced that it would only place uh, warning labels on tweets deemed, quote, potentially um, violating its rules against hateful conduct. In the new policy update, Twitter also deleted the line against deadnaming uh, for its rules. Uh, under, the, uh, under Twitter's previous policy, tweets deemed in violation of such rules were removed. And in many cases, accounts were locked or suspended. Sarah Kate Ellis, the president and CEO of GLAAD, a gay and lesbian alliance against defamation, responded angrily to Twitter's policy change. Uh, quote, uh, Twitter's decision to covertly roll back its longtime policy is the latest example of just how unsafe the community is for, uh, for users and advertisers alike. You can go somewhere else. That's what you told us for a long time. Um, the, the decision uh, to roll back LGBTQ safety polls, uh, Twitter even, even more, uh, is even more out of step with uh, TikTok, Pinterest, and Meta. It's good for, to be out of step with those companies because they, they're going in the wrong direction, uh, which all maintain similar policies to protect their transgender users at, at a time when anti-transgender rhetoric online is leading to the real world discrimination and violence, uh, end quote. Um, uh, I don't see how that could possibly end in violence. Like, n name me one example, right? Like, give me one example where if you look like a he and I call you a he... Words are violence. When you believe words are violence, everything can be violence. Yes, true. That's when true. you when you believe that anything that gives you a bad feeling is violence, and that's what they've been programmed to believe, and that's what's being that's what every pundit on their end of the aisle is telling them. If you don't feel good about something that someone else says, it's violence against you, and that's why you don't feel great. Just like a punch in the face hurts. If it hurts your feelings, it's violence. Well, those people have never been punched in the face. I'm sorry, Louis. Go well, ahead. Well, those people have been <laughs> first uh, uh, criticized, named, called names, um, harassed all their life, and probably that's why they have that attitude of being violent because they're sick and tired of it. Mm -hmm. I knew this gay guy in my neighborhood that anybody said anything to him, he would beat him up. 
if they if he walked funny or if he they call him gay, he was ready to fight because he didn't want to hear that, you know. So a, a lot of that reason is because of that that they've been harassed all their life for what they are. Sure, and can't blame the people. I think what's interesting is the um, the what what was her name from Glad? Uh, Sarah Kate Ellis. Okay, I almost called her the trash bag lady. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's probably it's right. Yeah, you know. not too much difference. Right. What What's interesting is at the beginning of her comment, she said that Twitter covertly got rid of those things. But at the beginning of the article, it says that Twitter announced, which means. Yes. It wasn't covert. <laughs> it was very open to anyone being able to see it, probably comment on it, probably share it, probably make some sort of tweet and post, you know, in, you know, offense to it or whatever. And I just think that it's very interesting that in that that you that you feel like in order to justify what you're saying, you have to twist a situation into being completely opposite of what it actually is. And that's what we see all the time. Yeah, 100%. You know, and unfortunately, conservatives are not good at it. Well, yeah. I wish conservatives were a little better at it. I mean, I don't really like that kind of... Right. That kind of... Uh, I don't like that approach. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not a good look. It's not a good tactic. But we definitely are the victim of it more sure. often than we're the perpetrator. And it just... Sometimes I want to see conservatives be a little dirtier. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that there's a difference between being a little bit more gritty with the way that you hold yourself uh, versus being an out-and-out liar. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want someone to sacrifice their integrity or their honesty when it comes to representing their values, what is true, those different sorts of things. But I think that maybe a little grittier or, you know, just like that's why I really love guys like, like Ted Cruz and DeSantis, because they are guys who are going to continue to stand in the pocket and they're going to take, you know, they're, they're going to take whatever those shots are and they're going to be, you know, I'm, I'm not a Steelers fan by any means, but you know, they're going to be the political version of Ben Roethlisberger. They're going to take the hit. They're going to get the touchdown and they're going to keep moving forward. Like that's just the way that those guys operate. And I, I, I would love to see more people, operating with that sort of a mentality like boldness and courage versus folding under the pressure of what might be acceptable by you know the people who are dictating what you can and can't say on well, the internet and also taking control of that language because that's yeah. that's the that's the biggest thing that's happening here yeah is language being morphed into something different mm -hmm. and yeah. they keep that that's that's the left superpower is changing the language right Right. Changing the definition. Changing the definition, changing, going that far. like Changing definitions. Uh, I mean, we've seen it time and time again the last couple of years. Uh, one of my favorite things, I know we're on this topic, but one thing I really love about Twitter that Elon did was he took a lot of check marks away from you know high-profile people because they didn't pay. But then, because now it's kind of a trend for people on the left to say, if you have a blue check mark, then you're, you're feeding the system and you're giving Elon your money and you're doing all this. So he left some people with mm -hmm. blue check blue check marks, so they're like, "No, no, I didn't pay it. I didn't pay it. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing these." Like, mm -hmm, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that. He's like subverting it, like <laughs> kind of putting it in there. 
They're like, why, why are some of these like left leaning people we trust have blue check marks? And they're like, <laughs> I didn't pay for it. And they're like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you're going to see so one of two things happen here. You're going to see a mass exodus of the left from Twitter, um, which I hope that doesn't happen. Um, Cause there'll be a yeah. lot less news about it. <laughs> <laughs> and you get the echo chamber effect. Yeah, yeah. that's the problem. That's true. Um, that's true with others. Uh, you do need those those voices, uh, even even if they're wrong most times, they, they still need to be out there, um, even if they're wrong most times. It just, it just Yeah. I mean, they, you need, I, I agree with you. You need dissenting opinions so that you can have dialogue. But that's yeah. not what we're talking about here. No, well, there is no dialogue. Right, and they, it's they use, shouting down. Yeah. They use Twitter to tell us everything we need to know about what they're doing. Right. Yeah. 100%. We know their plan because they say it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. The devil doesn't hide anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have this some idiots like, hey, got thirty kids in a classroom. I'm throwing on a dress and lipstick. I'm gonna teach them stuff. You know. Yeah. We're like, hey, we know that's going on now. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It's true. Yeah. But, it it, it, it it boggles my mind to see um how far people will will go to say like it's that it's violence yeah towards them when all that's happening here is saying hey i'm calling i'm calling you he or she because to my eyes whom i'm hoping i can trust yeah you look like a he or a she now you know if someone calls me a she on Twitter, you know what's going to do to my day? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Because no one told these people, um, any people that, that feels that, that uh, words are violence, about sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah. Because although we say like words have weight and that, it, that, that can be true, when it comes to someone calling you something, let them label you. Yeah. Let them label you because it, it, it's, it's just a, it's a BBs off of a, a, off of a tin plate. It just, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, on a, on a, on a biblical foundation, you know, the, like the Bible is very clear that the tongue has the power to both bless and curse. Mm-hmm. Right. And that we have through our words, we have the opportunity to be able to either, you know, uh, enlighten someone's day or we have the opportunity to bring them down into a depressive state just based on what we're saying. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is we, we have started to become at least on social media platforms. Uh, we've become a society that allows for, like you were saying, allows for people's words, though they may be using them inappropriately and trying to, you know, put put a, if you will, a curse on you through their words, we don't have to accept that. As a matter of fact, it's probably best that you don't. Yeah. And I'm just happy, kind of move on. I'm happy you said that because typically, like I taught my daughter and I, I typically say to a lot of people, yeah, words are man-made objects that have a definition and we only give it the power that we hear. And we, right. well, the words only have the power that we give them. Yep. So when someone calls you a name, I mean, think about how many times you're called a name. I can't, I can't use it on your show. Yeah. But every time you're called a, a specific <laughs> name, right? Yeah. That, that maybe that word resonates with you against right. you. Right. Yeah. But that same word to me means nothing. Nothing. Right. And we think this is regular vocabulary, not just things they call each other. Certain words people use. I mean, how many people drop F bombs 
And that's their normal language, but there are other people like, oh my gosh, I don't want my, my kids to hear that, right? Yeah. So that's because that word has a different weight with that right. person. Right. So if someone says something to me negatively, unless they're really finding a way to pry that, I'm looking at that and going, those are words. Those words only have the power I grant them. They're not right. granting them the power. Yeah. They're using them, but they're not granting them power to affect me because yep. I have to control my emotions and, and understand the situation. Yeah. And so, you know, and that's what I keep trying to keep, teach my kid. Of course, she's at an age where she's more emotion than right. logic right yeah. now. There's yeah. a lot of kids that are very sensitive. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, when you're talking about, when you're talking about children, like my 14 year old is the same way. Like he doesn't like for people to call him names. He doesn't like to be made fun of. I mean, none of us really do. Right. But when you're in that, when you're in that vulnerable age of really just trying to figure out your, yourself because of, you know, hormones and, and, you know, we've all been through the fun, the fun that is puberty and things like that. But I think that it can definitely be a much more, um, uh, a much more triggering age, uh, because you yourself are trying to define who you are. Right. Exactly. And so you're putting weight in what other people see you as, which is why when we were talking about this, one of the things that we need to do as fathers and as parents and as people just in general, even if we're not in a parental, uh, position in people's lives is to instill in them that they have value outside of whatever anybody else says about them. Like just because you walk a little funny or you wear your hair differently or, or I mean, to an extent, even if you want to be called a different name, like that does not, that does someone else's opinion of you does not define who you are. So stop putting so much weight in what they're saying to you. And that goes across the board. Like even if, you know, even if we have people in our lives that are in the process of transitioning or they're transgender or they are just really confused as to how they feel about themselves or how they identify, that is a pursuit that you are on. That is not a pursuit that you need to worry about what other people think of you because you are in the process of defining who you are. Now, there are obviously a lot of biblical things that we can talk about that, um, but just in a very objective sense, when we are talking about something like getting mad because somebody decided that they were going to post something on my Facebook and dead name me or something like that, which is a term that I only recently just learned. Um, <laughs> well, it only just came right. out. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I just... Recently. I didn't understand what that was until until I did. Um but I think it's interesting that what is offensive is someone saying a name that at one time in your life you identified as. Yeah. And then using that against that person as violence. Like, right, right. That, like that is what is so messed up about that. Like just in general, you're going to get mad at me because at one time in your life, you were this person, and now you want to be a different person, but you're mad at me because I didn't know that, and I called you something else. It's like, look, I, I called you the wrong name. Right. I'm doing less harm to you right. than statistically you and a rope are going to do to yourself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so. It's, he's not wrong. It's, I'm, oh, I know. The statistics are in his favor. Yeah. That's facts. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, i say this, uh, you know, <sighs> Kind of got off, got off track there, <laughs> or off the chair, with with the rope in hand. Oh, um, no, 
Don't do it, Josh. <laughs> Don't jump in the pool with him. Don't jump in the pool with it's him. It's such a pretty pool. <laughs> <laughs> He'll hold you under the entire time. <laughs> Second to last bubble. <laughs> Baptism. Yay. Yay. <laughs> 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 oh, talking, about, talking about labels and being called names. Okay, so... Um, and comment section and and in um, in in my direct messages, I've been called racist. I've been called homophobic, <laughs> transphobic. Put a word in front of it, phobic. Um, the the former vice president of the United States, uh, you know, stumbled as he as he might go. Joseph Robinette Biden called half the country uh, just because they voted for Trump. Um, extremist threats. So, um, even with all that, you know, you know what it does to my day. Diddly and squat. Yeah. And yeah, we I, just we just thank people for taking the time yeah. to comment. Yeah. Like we really do. Like I first I was the very first time I got like a nasty message. I was like, oh, I'm gonna light this person up because this is what my show is about and this is what I do. Right. And then I was like, you know what? You furthered the algorithm. That's thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks That's for it. watching. Thanks because for of you, more people are gonna see my product. <laughs> this hateful, hateful product that you hate so much, keep talking to me about it. As a matter of fact, we had a, a comment on one of our shorts. Uh, uh, um, it was actually featuring you and Sterling. I don't know if you'd seen it this No, this, I haven't seen week. any comments. On, no, I, okay. I saw the, the my face is the the short button there, uh, the story. Uh, forgive me for, for forgetting your first name, Mr. Blah. That was, his last name was Blah, B-L-A-H. But he made a comment um, saying that all he's seen was because uh, you guys were commenting on Biden and his stumbling and stuff like that. And it was, it was quite funny. That's why I made it into a short. Um, but then he commented on you and Sterling saying, well, all I see is a couple idiots that still live in their price to live in their mom's basement or something like that. And so my answer was blah, 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 blah. Thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think there was like this moment of like, uh, they don't have any ill will towards me or, or anybody else. They were just having fun and being silly. So he comes back and says, you know what? Actually, I hope you have a blessed day. And, and like, it was, I was just like, Oh, so there is maturity there. So yeah, yeah I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe his, uh, um, spouse or whatever got a hold of the phone and it's, commented for him. It's first heart attack. It's first heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> that usually changes the game. That's it. Or, you know, stroke. And then your family going to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you. but thank but you. thank you for for uh, for the blessings, Mister Blah. Uh, I know you're watching now because we've pulled you in, and thank you for watching continually and telling all your friends and and, and you know they can hate watch too. It's and all this, good. This isn't our mom's basement. It's it's Josh's it's Josh's basement, geez. which I own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still paying right. on it, That's but right. I own it. So you'll, get, you'll get there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the government was still on the dirt, though. <laughs> and with that, I think we should bring it home with prayer. All with right. the prayer. All right. Can you do that for us, Don? Yeah, I, yes. Tuck I it will, away, Don. Yes, 100% <laughs> will I. Uh, Father God, we just thank you so much for our time together, Lord. We ask that you would just continue to allow your hand uh, to be over us, Lord God, that you would continue to lead us, Lord God. Uh, Father God, that you would just continue to um, allow your truth to uh, to sit on our hearts, Lord God, that we could uh, continue to look at your word and can continue to find uh, find those truths, Lord God, that we know that you uh, that you love us, that you have a plan for us, Lord God, that 
that we can grow closer to you, Lord God, and uh, and we just ask that you would continue to uh, watch over those that we love and continue to take care of those who uh, are watching uh, this video, Father God, uh, whether they agree or disagree, Lord God, that you would bless them, Lord, and that you would give them opportunities to be able to uh, share the love of Jesus in other people's lives, and that uh, uh, if they do not know your son, Jesus, if they haven't accept, accepted him as their Lord and Savior, Father God, that they would have a heaviness on their heart, that you would soften their heart, uh, make it a heart of flesh, Lord God, and that they would uh, that they would come to know uh, you through your son, Jesus, who died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sin. Uh, Lord God, we thank you so much for that, and we thank you for the eternity that awaits us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. That was the man that brought the message this week. <laughs> Brother Don, oh, martyr. Yeah. Brother Don. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the golden voice. Brother That's Don. right. The golden voice. That's it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. And uh, next to him. The man, the myth, the legend, the McFarland. <laughs> <laughs> the host of Laughing Libertarian, Alan McFarland, ladies and gentlemen. As Thank his name you. moves around in a circle <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> Sorry if I offended most of you. No, you're not. <laughs> I feel like I had to say that. <laughs> it's an obligation. I've Iron been fist. obligated. That's right. Iron fist of Josh. <laughs> I feel like like four things I said are going to get edited out, but no, they don't. Absolutely not. Thank you. Yep. You're welcome. I'm, and I'm cursing <laughs> next time. <laughs> we'll see how far this goes. No. <laughs> I just want to dub over. I really just want to dub over good words. Like I want to be able to say curse words okay. on your show and then you keep me later and I dub yeah. regular words over. Draw the line and turn the other cheek. Just so you know, just, I want my lips to be <laughs> saying a curse word, but the actual word, like a good words coming out. That's what I want. Just say milk and toast instead. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the show, Josh. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for being here. And across from him, you do know him. You do love him. And we were happy to have him back this week. The host right. of Rodriguez Rants, Louis Rodriguez. Hey, Thank you for having me. Hey. Where's the cheers? <laughs> Woo! Yeah. There we go. They never turn the cameras around. They're fake news. That's right. <laughs> That's it. Since you're the golden voice, could you let me have some gold so I can pay some, my debt? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to... Clear my throat out when I get outside. <laughs> Nothing about that sounds okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's baby birding him. He's baby birding the gold. It's all gold. Oh, no. <laughs> and with that, I've been your host, Joshua Cummins, reminding you to stay in trouble. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Deuces. <laughs>